Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I know Logan and I are super excited about our guest today. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about our guest. He's one of the most intelligent guys I know. But uh, what's, what's awesome about that is it's not intelligence only, but he blends that with, with a true care for other people. And it really comes out when you talk to him. You can really sense it and feel it. And our guest today, uh, really excited to have John Darnell on with us. He is the CEO of Global Outreach International. And uh, uh, if you've never heard of Global Outreach, just something about them real quick is uh, their mission is really to empower believers to follow the Holy Spirit's calling in their lives. And they really believe in instead of telling people where or how to do their ministry, they really want to equip missionaries to be effective serving wherever God calls them using the gifts and talents that he has given them. So, John, welcome to the podcast today, my friend. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Corey. That was a very kind introduction. Um, maybe some fibbing about my intelligence, but I, I appreciate that. And uh, Logan, I, I think a lot of both of you guys and your leadership and have seen this podcast post on, on Facebook. So I, um, I'm excited to join you guys today. Awesome, man. Well, uh, the podcast is called Principles with Corey and Logan. And as we kick it off, uh, John, what are some principles or core values you personally try to live out in your own life? Yeah. You know, when thinking about that question, a couple of things come to mind. One is, is humility. Mm. So coming from a perspective um, as a, as a believer in, in, in Jesus, the idea for model, one of the greatest leaders, I think, I mean, if you look at impact, I don't know if another leader has had that level of impact in world history, number one. So if you don't, you don't think Jesus is who he said he was looking at impact and people around the world he served other people, you know, and, and he gave up, gave up position, power, influence, just gave it up and took on the image of a man. And, and, and so when I, when I tell you as a leader, when you have position, power, influence by, by title, so CEO, right? So I'm, I'm a CEO. The temptation is to lean on the position, the title, the ability, you know, the, the might makes right sort of thing. You, you, there's that temptation that lurks there every day. And so humility being, man, I've really got to value my people, serve my people and believe they have something to offer that God has given them a gift. They have something to offer. And it's really, some days it's easier than others, but it's, it's a hard thing um, to, to live that out over and over. So humility is one. Another one would be, and, and I think with humility comes service, because if I, if I truly value somebody else, I'm going to serve that, that person. Uh, so humility, service, and then another principle would just be priorities comes to mind, keeping the most important things, the most important things. And I, I almost have to do that. All of these really, I have to do daily, Corey. I wish, I wish I could say, Hey, I'm programmed. I'm a robot. I, I just, wake up in the morning and naturally do these things, but I have to repent early in the morning to get my heart right and exercise to burn stress and 
put myself in a position where I can serve other people's well, people well, prioritize my family, work all day, come home and love my family well, prioritize, you know, it's, it's tough, but those are some of the things that I think are important in leadership. Man, those are some great, great principles. And I'm sure we can dig into those. And yeah, it would be great if we could just boom, autopilot. Yeah, I'm humble. Yeah. I'm great at serving and uh, every day is prioritized. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's a constant progress, right? So, and, and I'm sure those are some things we would jump into. But, uh, you know, before we do, I'd love to hear your story. You're, you're currently the CEO of Global Outreach. That's an international organization, right? That's that's not just something small right there. It's international. But you don't just walk in there and boom, you get that title. Give us a little bit of your background. Tell, tell us your story. Uh, give us some uh, insight into your journey, John. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. So I'm a Mississippian by birth. And, you know, growing up in a in a cotton field in the Delta. My dad was a crop duster. Mom was a teacher. You know, I never imagined living in another country. Didn't even, it wasn't even interesting to me, you know? And I jokingly tell people, my dad told me that if I learned Spanish, he'd take me fishing in Mexico. He had this big fish mounted on the wall, this big bass as a kid, you know? And I learned Spanish. We still haven't been fishing in Mexico. I'm, I'm, I'm not that I'm bitter about it or anything. I'm just saying we haven't. Dad, if you're watching. But, you know, uh, went and got into college, got involved with study abroad, really enjoyed learning Spanish. So I spent some time in Mexico and Ecuador as a college student. And that's when really my heart was and mine was open to missions and the world. And man, there's there's greater purpose in life. And so after, uh, towards the end of school, I met my wife, Emily. That's a whole story in itself, but the quick version is she's from Chicago, Chicagoland, and I was working a summer job in Wyoming. She was a client on a rafting trip, the company I worked for. So we met, you know, by chance or by sovereign hand. So after graduating college, a year later, we got married and we taught in North Mississippi. I was a high school Spanish teacher at North Panola High School. Go Cougars, you know, North Panola. Not the good football school, the other Panola, but we were proud. We're a proud school. So uh, then we then we felt a call to missions. And man, I tell you, it's hard. We told our church and our family, hey, we feel like God's calling us to go to Ecuador as missionaries and invest in families. And, you know, it was really interesting because we tell our families that and then two weeks later find out we're pregnant with our first child. And my favorite question people would ask us is, are you going to take the baby with you? You know, like God was surprised somehow that, that we were pregnant with Samantha. And I tell you, we moved with a five month old. We joined global outreach in, in June of 2011. Samantha was born in July. We raised funds because, you know, missionaries raise money, you know, as part of living expenses and ministry expenses. And we moved abroad. So our journey abroad was interesting language school in Costa Rica, and I had Spanish, but Emily didn't. And that's really important to be able to speak the language, the heart language of people to communicate and lead and have an impact. So we did that and went to Ecuador. And our last three years there, we worked. This, it was a really influential time in my life because we were working, serving the local church, local Ecuadorian church. But we worked at a retreat center called Hacienda Refugio. So it was 300 acres in the Andes outside of Quito. 
and we worked with businesses, schools, churches to design retreats, so adventure retreats, so using rock climbing, backpacking, high ropes, low ropes, experiential activities to help them reach their goals and grow closer to Jesus or, you know, whatever their hopes were. So that's where I really grew as a facilitator and leader and coach, and, and it was really a, a wonderful time. Our youngest daughter was born in Ecuador, and so Global Outreach asked us in 2016 to move back. So we came, we went with one, came back with two daughters. And, you know, initially the ask from Global was, will you move to Tupelo, which is great. Uh, we, we've loved being in Tupelo over the past four years, but help build training, missionary training. So that taking that work we've done in Ecuador and investing in other missionaries, but also that coaching and leading and facilitating and our background as teachers, we both have a master's in curriculum and instruction and classroom, a classroom background. So being able to take the combination of experience and education and, and invest in our people. And it has been amazing. And it really one of the defining, I'll tell you the, the defining call we had in 2016 was as we were transitioning back, because you can imagine moving to a foreign country, getting rid of things, fun rate. I mean, you work hard to get there. So you just don't drop it and walk away from it. You have to be convinced. God, I need you to make it as clear to leave as when we were going. So loving people well in their most difficult moments. So if you think about a leader, a teacher, a family member, a friend that's had a profound impact on your life and made a difference, one commonality I've found is that they loved me well in a really difficult time. And we wanted to do that because missionary life is very hard. Taking a family and moving to a foreign place that's a different language and culture and food and everything, and the stress of that, it's just a very challenging thing to do because there's nothing really that prepares you for it totally. So I'll add a little extra since I've been in in leadership here at Global. It's like love people well in their most difficult moments, whether it's their fault or not. Mm, that's good. And that's the, that's the grace that we get, right? So God looks at us and if it were up to us, you know, we bring this American mentality to Christianity sometimes that's pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Man, if Jesus had waited for us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, we would be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so as I look to serve my people, hey, no shame, no blame. Let's figure this out and do this well. And that's what we've tried to do for the last four years. And our former CEO who invited us to Tupelo had an opportunity to come up back on the field in Ethiopia. He's a missionary at heart. And I tell you, it's hard to keep missionaries in the States once they've had a taste of field work, you know? So I actually talked to him this morning for almost an hour. He and I are still really good friends. So he's in Ethiopia leading an amazing work there with elections and democracy with the European Union. So he, he stepped out and then um, right place, right time, maybe, I'm not sure, but I got the opportunity to lead as interim and that was about 10 months and the board really liked what they saw. By God's grace, we were able to reduce the deficit. We were able to bring staff unity and cohesion. We were able to do a capital campaign, some, some really big things like interim is typically, hey, the ship is falling apart. It's sinking, just plug some holes until we find the, the right guy. And we had some amazing mentors speaking to my life and say, John, go for it. Like, don't, 
don't just sit there. If you want this opportunity, leverage the opportunity and God really blessed it. So the board saw that and liked it and, and gave me the opportunity. Uh, March the 5th, they voted and removed the interim tag. So I'll say one more thing about that and then ask me the tough questions. But people say, what's it like being a CEO? So I'm 33, I just turned 33 this month. So I started as interim at 31. And they say, what's it like being a young CEO? I say, well, I don't really know. I know interim CEO and they voted and like the next week the pandemic happened. So I know pandemic CEO and interim, I don't know what normal's like, but uh, you know, we're having, a, we're having a good time with it. That's great stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I, there's a lot of different things to pull from uh, on that one that, that I don't wanna gloss over. I, um, that I think is super important kind of the core thing you talked about is humility. Um, a couple of years ago, we were getting ready for our Q4 meeting, um, with fusion, um, the hotel management company that I, uh, that I work for. And we kind of sent out some questions to our general managers and we had about 15 or 16 hotels at the time and said, what, what do you guys want to hear about in some of these training and leadership sessions? And, um, about 25% of them wrote back in and said, give us some qualities that you see that are consistent among people that are successful. Um, and the kind of the three that we reduced it to were discipline, humility, and empathy. Um, mm. And so I think that, um, man, I, Corey and I have talked about this time and time again, but humility is one of those things that's just a common thread um, among successful leaders. Um not people that are successful on their own because there are a lot of entrepreneurs and, and different folks that may have a successful business that's built around them, but people that are able to lead organizations and lead people, successful pastors, uh, successful fathers and team leaders, the captain of your soccer team or basketball team or whatever it is. Humility, um, I think is a super common thread. Um, that's just not replaceable. Um, I think you could probably talk a lot about, um, I've seen a lot of innovation that comes from humility because you're approachable and people will actually bring you ideas, um, because they know that you're humble enough to take ideas that pretty much always come from the front lines. Um, so I think that's definitely something that we could probably park on and unpack for a long time. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of things that come to mind. It's a daily battle. So think about self-awareness. So if I'm starting my day thinking, what am I thinking? What am I feeling and why? There's some, some red flags I have in my own spirit that I've learned in the past year. And one is whenever I feel a righteous indignation, and I don't really know how to describe this to you guys, but mm -hmm. when it's like, I have done so much for that person and they, how dare they say this to me? And I, man, I tell you, I'm furious whenever I'm feeling that. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a physical feeling that I have after I, after I acted on that a couple of times and it went really poorly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, now God, that the Holy Spirit just brought to us says, Hey John, that's that feeling we've been talking about. That means you need to repent. And instead of you going to go tell them 
where to get off. You need to go sit with them and empathize and ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's really hard to go as a learner and say to the front line, to the person that you think you've done so much for, right? This entitlement's growing as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sit there and say, Hey, t- tell me, tell me where you're coming from. What's this like for you? How can I help? It's hard, but life changing for our team. I had a team member say, Hey, we're on the front lines. Why aren't you involving us in this decision? Hmm. And I say, I'm so sorry. Can you please come to the next meeting? (laughs) But it's important. Well, I think it's evidenced by the fact that um, during talking about your time as, as interim, you said we were able to do this. Um, We had a good capital campaign. We had um, good staff cohesion, um, unity, all those things. Uh, Those things don't come without humility. And I I think that, um, we could probably say that there's a lot of empathy as well. Um, just because you started on the front lines and there's empathy and relatability there. Um, that, I mean, maybe you could just touch on for us, like how starting as a missionary on the front lines has allowed you and equipped you to be in the position that you're in now and be successful. I mean, even talking about, um, learning how to be a teacher and, leading and training people with rock climbing and mountain climbing and and different things, how that has trained you to be a leader. Man, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you asked it because that's even insightful to begin to think about for me to reflect on. Sometimes we make a mistake when, when we think we have this really great thing we want to go offer somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what I think about my time. So my, the time as a teacher in Panola County, it was with Mississippi Teacher Corps, which is similar to Teach for America that might resonate, but they take 25 non-education majors, give them a crash course, put them in the classroom in high need areas in Mississippi. It's mm. very impactful, but an issue that I had, even though I was from the Mississippi Delta and grew up in that culture, and I arrived with, I, I joke, I'm going to play it up a little bit, <laughs> but you know, that I would walk in the room and the students would say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're here. We're just so lucky to have you. And, you know, and I would teach Spanish and they would learn it and it would change their lives. And it would be sort of like freedom riders, you know, and, and that's, that's as a recent college grad, you know, 12 years ago, what I thought would happen. And I realized they didn't feel any of those positive feelings. And it was a very humbling experience um, and gave me a lot of insight. Then you become a missionary and missionaries think, oh, unless we're, we're trained well, I'm going to, I have something to go give these people. They can learn from me. I have this great, I'm, I'm, I have something really awesome, which in the gospel we do, right? But we have to be careful that it's not my culture is better or the way I think about it's more superior, or I have a better way of doing things that I'm going to give you. It becomes ethnocentric and, and that sort of thing. So um, just coming from perspective, instead of I have something great to give you, coming from a perspective of, hey, I would really like to learn from you. And that's, that's really different. And so when I was hired at that camp, I had a teaching background, but I had never, maybe at the Jackson State Fair, I'd done a climbing wall. Like I knew, I knew nothing. I knew nothing mm-hmm. of rock climbing. I had camped, but I hadn't gone backpacking. So I'm the leader of the program team and I have guys that report to me and Logan, they, 
they were having to train me how to do the stuff. So I'm their boss and they're like, here's how to tie an eight. Here's how you tie the super eight. Here's how you tie the, the bowline. Here's how, you, you know, and it was like, I was a child and it was amazing. Um, saying, man, so it's just changed my approach. Hey, I want to, I want to learn from you. Show me, show me what we should do here. Asking questions. And I'm, I'm also really young. And so part of it is I have to rely on people and empower them. And that's a great mm-hmm. gift because they feel, Hey, our voice matters. We get, we get a say in this. I, I see a lot of common threads and, um, in our stories of, um, how we got to where we are from a pro, from a professional standpoint. Um, because I started as an assistant to the chief operating officer and did basically every job through the, the company that's not accounting related. Um, and all of my regional directors of operation have 20 years more of operational experience than me. And my whole relationship with them is based on, I'm just going to get you tools and resources to be successful. And you teach me how to run hotels. Um, and it's, it's so much easier to get buy-in like that, especially if you're a young leader. Yeah. Um, to ask questions and let your experts be experts. And as a CEO, you're, you're not expected to know everything about everything. You are a generalist. You got to yeah. know a lot, a, a little about a lot of things and let your team do what they're awesome at. That's why we hired them <laughs> and, yeah. and giving those people autonomy and ownership, I think allows them to really thrive and, you know, create their own blueprint um, or carry out whatever God's blueprint is for them on the mission field. Um, and we're just kind of a conduit to get them the resources they need. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, exactly I right. love seeing those similarities and, and parallels there. Um, also pick up on, on the fact, I think you seem to be a very curious person mm. um, and probably ask very genuine good questions, which allows you to get some, to kind of be more empathetic because people actually open up and tell you things mm-hmm. that they yeah. may not tell somebody else if, right. if there was not some genuine curiosity. Yeah. I think knowing your heart and you said it earlier, you know, being a missionary on the field. So my motivation is we have to do everything we can to help that missionary be mm-hmm. successful. So that's right. the heart that opens the door that I'm not, this isn't for John, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, this is for the gospel and not in a like lording over way, but in a, we care about the same thing and we care about each other. And then the curious questions, I went through a coaching training in Ecuador while I was there as part of an exchange we have with the business program. And it was life changing, Logan. I, I didn't really know how to ask questions and listen. And am I asking questions to genuinely understand or am I, am I asking to give a rebuttal? Am I asking to be defensive or to prove a point? So there's all kind of heart motivations that come into that where it's, if I genuinely believe genuinely that there's something I can learn from this person, regardless of title, age, gender, experience, 
whatever it is, if, if I genuinely believe that, then I can have a really good conversation and learn a lot. And yep. oh, that's great, man. You know, I love I, that. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that the, the other day, uh, actually, uh, the best conversations that I have with people are always question uh, when I'm asking questions, um, and I'm genuinely interested in the answer and I, and have no agenda in where the conversation goes from there. Um, right. versus, uh, I think so often exactly what you said, we, we listen to reply. We don't listen to understand. Um, and, or we ask a question to set ourselves up to, cause we're so excited to tell somebody what we know or what we think we know. Right. Um, right. and, and man, the best conversations and the best relationships are built on being able to not have an agenda and ask those, those questions. And when you look at the people that, um, really are able to lead organizations that accomplish really great things, they're all incredibly curious people. Um, look at it's almost like they accomplish things as a byproduct um, to get to that end. Like Elon Musk is going to deliver Wi-Fi to every village on the planet because it's necessary for him to populate Mars. Now, whether or not he'll populate Mars, who knows, but everybody's going to get Wi-Fi because he's going to throw satellites <laughs> into low orbit, you know, and it's just a byproduct yeah. because he's curious about how far can we push these limits. Um, I think, man, so many awesome things are byproducts of people's curiosity. So it's, yeah. it's, it's always exciting to see inquisitive, curious leaders. Yeah. John, I got, I got a question for you, man. And, uh, you know, you talk to people uh, and you ask them why they're not all in for the Lord, right? And, and we're talking to believers here and they say, well, you know, I, I really don't want to go to Africa, you know, <laughs> or I don't want to be like John and go to Ecuador, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you said something leading into that. You're like, Lord, I, I, I really, you got to be clear on this one, right? You got to yeah. be clear for this. Yeah. And, and my question kind of is discerning that voice, right? How, how do you discern that voice? You know, is because sometimes you'll hear is like, did I make that up or, or what? How do you discern that voice for you? Yeah. And I would say even, even my, my approach to this has changed over the years, but some general things that I would say are consistent would be God's word. You know, I, there were moments on the field where I would, I'd be praying and like, Lord, I, this ministry change or this ministry direction. And then I would read a song and there's a verse or I'd be reading in, you know, um, in Joshua about them taking the promised land. And there's a key verse in there about, you know, you're going to eat from a vineyard you didn't plant. And that connects to a call I get that day. And, and, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a level of, of is an agreement with God's word and is he using it? Am I consistently in it? So that would be one. Another one would be whatever I'm feeling the prompting is, you know, talking to people who will be truth tellers to me and say, yeah, I think you can do it or I don't. So I remember when I first found out Stedman was transitioning out, calling some friends and saying, Hey, I mean, do you think I can do this? <laughs> do you think, you know, is this, is this a dumb idea to even think of myself in this way? And, you know, to get, to get feedback and, and, and understand. So you have God's word, you have 
wise truth tellers, not yes men. The worst thing you can do, especially as a high level leader, is have yes men around you because you're already isolated from a lot of the feedback sometimes. So you need truth telling wise people. Uh, one for Emily and me has actually been, we do it together. So if you're a married person and you pray with your spouse, I remember several moments we'd say, God, you know, would you, would you give us this, this, and this, or confirm this in this way, or provide in this way? It's, it's, we want to follow you. Yeah. It kind of froze up there. Is that me? answered that you know and he checked those things off so it's it's you know those little you know and there's those circumstances some people will say circumstances you know um but there's a lot there that begin to give a well-rounded picture of okay i read this here god uses his community to confirm that so i'm not crazy okay um I'm, I'm married to Emily, so I have to understand that that we have to be on the same page to pull this off. So, I mean, we've, we've had missionaries call, our potential missionaries say, hey, I feel called, my spouse doesn't, can I go to the, the mission field? And as much as I hurt for the person, because they're longing to go to the mission field, say, hey, if this is something God wants, both of you, because marriage as a covenant supersedes mm-hmm this work that you're doing, like you have to be on the same page. And Emily loves the Lord and is a truth teller. And so that it's, a, it's great for me because there's a lot of clarity there for between us. You know, there's no guessing what Emily thinks. So it's a great gift. He's not going to call everybody to Ecuador, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and specifically to that point, I, I think we as believers, it's a perspective issue. Yeah. Um, you know, like, oh God, I got this thing I really like going and I'm scared if I get too close to you that somehow you're going to send me to Africa as like a punishment or something. You know, it's just a bad perspective. Like how about God, I want to know you at all costs. That was my calling. It probably doesn't mean going to Africa for most people, to be honest, it probably doesn't. So let go of that fear, chase the Lord, let him change your life. And then let him use you to change other people around you. That's a better approach than just going and doing the minimum to like get in, you know, and, and to be a believer and just missing out on what God's doing in the world. Because at the end of the day, at the resurrection, at the, at the judgment, what, what do you want to say for your relationship with the Lord? I mean, and I, this is a message for myself because God came to me now and said, hey, I want you to get back to Ecuador. That would be really hard. That would be incredibly difficult because we like what we're doing and where we are and where our kids are. So. I love that, man. Cause you know, I, God is a God of love, right? Not, not of whatever that is. And, and I think that is a fear. And, you know, I believe God puts those passions in us. His word says that it is him who, who is at work in us and, and willing us to do. And I think, you know, those passions are things he puts in there. So I, He's going to work through that. So I, I love that. Sure. And uh, one, one, one other thing, and I know Logan's probably got a couple other questions I want to share with you sure. real quick. We went down to uh, Costa Rica and uh, on vacation. <laughs> and the only Spanish I know is Paquito, right? Small, Paquito. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, actually pollo, chicken, right? Yeah. So this restaurant and pollo is the only word I even recognize on there. And I was like, what is that? And they, you know, couldn't understand me. I couldn't understand them. And it was like, I don't know. I'll take that though. Right, man. It was, it was an awesome time. And, um, I don't know what it was I got, but it was delicious. So yeah. <laughs> Freak is great. It has some chicken in there. <laughs> that pollo for sure. Um, I, I, I think another thing to, um, just kind of confirm that even more, the, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think that that kind of just goes right along with what you said. I mean, if, if you're called to Africa, the Lord is at some point probably going to put that desire in your heart um, based on the relationship that you and he have developed together. Um, But another thing that, that I want to make sure we don't gloss over is um, kind of in your answer. um, There's a lot of intention there. Um, When you talk about hearing God's will for your life um, and what direction you need to go. Um, Number one, you asked, uh, God, what's your, what's your will right. for my life? Yeah. You weren't just busy and going through day-to-day life and just kind of going with the flow. Uh, you ask number two, you listen. Um, and with how busy we can be with having two kids, having a marriage, being involved with the church and being the CEO of an international company, even though you're in the ministry by trade, you're busy and, yeah. and you have to stop and set aside the time to be very intentional to, Hey, I'm going to pray with my wife. We're going to read God's word. I'm going to seek wise counsel and I'm going to listen. Yeah. Uh, because those things are all, all things that we can't take for, for granted. You have to set aside time and be intentional about doing those things or no, you're not going to know God's will for your life. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Those. And really I used to ask Corey, Corey, what time do you get up? And this guy gets up at, crazy times. And I thought, I don't know if I could ever do that. And right when I started the interim, I very quickly realized game has changed. I've got to up my game. Okay. I'm, I'm wet the water. I'm swimming in a pool that I can't even touch the bottom. I'm struggling. And so that's when it was, okay, we're going to get up. Now it's 457. And so my alarm goes off and I have my running buddy and I have these things and have quiet time. And I don't say that to brag. I'm not, that's not the point. The point is, Unless I do those things and I'm intentional to sit with the Lord before the little ones get out of bed, I'm going to miss it. Like I could build a whole ministry and organization and I would miss it. And I have wise people that have come to me and said, John, I want to, I want to know how to pray for you. I want to meet with you every week and invest in you. And so I have the, you know, 75 year old guy I meet with that, uh, you know, every Tuesday and, and the guy I have lunch with once a month that does this leadership thing. And, and it's, it's a normal rhythm now that, mm-hmm. you know, a year or two ago wasn't there. And so um, that building that into our lives is, is life-giving rhythms is how I'd refer to it. So that, so that we are being intent to listen to God's voice. I, I don't want to miss it, Logan. I, like I'm scared to death. Like I think some people are scared to death to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, and I'm scared to death to, like, God, I, I don't want to miss this too much. Too much is at stake you know, for our mm. people and our missionaries and, and, and his mission. So, yeah. I 100% agree that the best way to get in rhythm and the best time to listen is going to be before the noise starts. And 
Yes. It seems to get earlier and earlier yeah. <laughs> as, to, as to when you have to back that alarm clock up to be able to get that precious time. But um, there's nothing like setting the rhythm for your day and your, and your life by, by doing that. I, man, you, you talk about getting up early. Uh, you know, the first time I started doing it, it it's, it's kind of tough. Man, I, like you're saying, I, man, I love it, right? I really do. I look forward to it. And I think that's where the mindset shift has to be is uh, looking forward to something. For me, that, you know, I had to trick myself initially was just put your feet on the, on the ground and go. Don't look back. You'll turn into a pillar of salt, right? But once you started doing it right, man, I, I look forward to it. Like at 4.30, I, I look forward to getting up at 4.30 every day, Saturdays and Sundays, maybe at 5 or 5.30, but I look forward to it. I, and and the, what you just said there, I don't want to miss what God's going to show me or what he may say that day. And man, I, I just, I really look forward to it. And I know we're coming up on time and I, I want to ask you one last question. I love sure. Logan's last question that he, he likes to ask people. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. But um, we, John, here's the reason we, we do this podcast is people have great stories, right? A lot of people don't realize that they have great stories. And we want to do this to encourage, inspire, and motivate people to get their story out there. And through your story, uh, I know it's going to encourage and motivate other people. If you had one last thing that you wanted to leave with, with people to, to encourage and inspire, what would that be? Well, wow. No pressure, <laughs> right? I would say, what do you hear Logan's question? Oh man, I'm, I, I might uh, filibuster then and we might run out of time, but Logan said this earlier and it would be God's love. Mm. One of the, one of the most transformational things that's happened in my life ever was, and it was in 2017. We weren't even missionaries on the field anymore. We'd already moved back to the States and I had this experience with the Lord where I, I felt him call me son for the first time. Okay. There's a difference between father and Lord, like mean Old Testament God versus this loving father. It's huge. And so I went from stressed about having to like prove myself and working myself into someone's approval to, Hey, my father's as, as his son, because of what Jesus did, he looks at me and he approves of me. So if I can look at him as a loving father, that means I can't wait to talk to dad today because I'm excited about what we get to talk about. So we, I love calling my dad. I called him today and say, hey, dad, coming this weekend, just want to check in. So that's different than I think a lot of American Christians, and I realize I'm speaking specifically to an audience here and narrowing that a little bit, approach it from like mean dad standpoint maybe. And it's, I don't know if I want to talk to him because of what he's going to say, how he's going to make me feel, what he's going to make me do. That is not why Jesus came and died. So moving to a different perspective of, okay, I have a father who loves me, who's proud of me no matter what, because of what Jesus did, not because of me. Now go and do. Oh, I, Corey, my wife can tell you, my coworkers can tell you, I'm a different person after that. And um, that was a, a great gift. Wow. So the gift is there for you. If you don't know Jesus, if you do know Jesus, regardless to realize that because of what Jesus did, you have that opportunity not to fear some encounter with God, but be invited into a relationship with a loving father. And that is a great joy. Our, our uh, six-year-old would say, he preaching now. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's right. Now um, we ran out of time. We don't have time for Logan's question. Yeah, that's, that's all right. Logan, uh, what's the, we could really dig well, into that one. Well, we, we may have to do a round two at some point because I think we sure. could spend a lot of time unpacking. Um, and I'd love to love to just to scratch my own itch. Talk about like how you do the job in the interim and how you are present, but you're waiting and you're, you're in flux, but you're trying to establish that rhythm. And man, I think we could probably do a whole episode on that. Um, but what is one thing in the past five years that you knew to be true that you found out was not true? Oh, something where you were operating under the assumption of like, this is true. This is an absolute truth. And you came to, to discover that, um, it's not for me. One, one of those things is nobody has it all figured out. I think we look up to other CEO, like a CEO of a fortune 500 company or, um, a really great father or, a a pastor at, at church or whoever would think, man, that guy's, he's got it nailed. He's got it all figured out. And then you put on the CEO hat and you're like, Oh wait, that, nobody has a blueprint for how to handle COVID. Right. So what is something yeah. that you knew to be true that you found out recently is, is not. Yeah, man, I might have to sleep on that one. Your example reminds me, um, of, of the same fact, if only I had, then I would feel. So that, that's a phrase that we tell ourselves all the time. If only I had, then I would feel like if I, if I were only on the mission field, I would feel close to God. If, if, if I were there doing the toughest thing for Jesus, I would feel a certain way about him and about myself. And maybe he'd feel a certain way about me. If man, if I had that title, if I had that thing, if, and, and I'm telling you that, that is a lie. That's a different, we get a different version of that lie every day. Right. And, and marketing is built that way, man. If you had this thing, you would feel this way. They're not selling you a thing. They're selling you a, a version of yourself. You think you'd be happy with. So I feel, I still fall in that trap. And so I tell myself that lie and then I believe it and then I do it and I don't change. I'm like, dead gummit, I knew that was true and it's not true. So people think if I were just become a missionary, God would feel a certain way about me. I'd feel a certain way about myself. Friends, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. The relationship you have with God today is the same one. And that's, that'd be a little longer than five years. I guess it'd be like eight years or nine years ago. But, um, it's I'm the same John and it's really disappointing. And I would say the same thing about becoming CEO. Like, man, if I only had this title, if the interim were removed, just take the interim away. I would feel a certain way. I wouldn't be as stressed. I wouldn't, you know, and, and the reality is when you find yourself saying that, if I only, then I would just recognize it. And maybe it's true. I mean, there are things like that. You know, if I got up early and ran, I would be in better health. And that's probably true. Right. Right. But if it's about how our identity or how we feel about ourselves or our worth, if you can identify that and bring it back to truth and then evaluate that decision-making in a different light, it's very different. Like, you know, that's not true. 
you know, I don't have to be motivated by that. I don't have to buy into that lie. I don't have to put that in front of somebody else. So that would be, I just lie to myself a lot. I think Logan is maybe the answer, but, uh, I think, I I think that, that, I think that meets everybody where they are. We can all identify with, uh, if I had, if I had that, that car, I would feel this way. Or if I had that rifle, I would be a better hunter. Or if I had that pair of shoes, I would do my first marathon and be in better health or whatever it may be. Um, I was, uh, recently on a trip with, uh, with a non-believer and had a really awesome long form conversation with him. And, um, a lot of ebbs and flows and touched on a ton of different stuff, but that brings me back to um, we, we kind of talked for 20 or 30 minutes on the dangers of having your identity and something that can be taken away. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, he had had some, some friends that had their identity in their job or a relationship or whatever it may be. And I think that ties directly back into what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. If I had, then I would be, um, and just kind of talked about how we really need to have our identity in Jesus. Um, because yeah, that's because of what Jesus the did. Only I, thing, right. That's I, the only thing that can't be taken away. Yeah. Um, you know, if I worked out harder, I would be in better shape. Well, I've had friends that have lost their legs. Um, you know, yeah. so, yeah. um, uh, man, I think that's, uh, that's a, that's a powerful statement and, um, really good uh, I guess, perspective to have. That was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. I'm, I'm like Logan. I, I really think we could dive in for another probably two or three hours just on a, a bunch of different topics. But uh, John, we really appreciated you coming on. You've added a ton of value and I, I know mm-hmm. this is going to be a great episode. Uh, there's a couple of times the guys are going to have to, and gals too, going to have to go back and rewind and listen to some great things mm-hmm. you talked about. Um, but, but I want to also, before we close it out, you know, if people wanted to find out more about global outreach and, and just the awesome things that you guys are doing. Uh, one, what is global outreach, but how do they find out more? Maybe if they wanted to contribute or maybe God is calling them out onto the mission field. Where do they go? What do they do? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. So I'm hoping you're seeing my screen. Would that be an accurate description? Well, I, I am. Yeah. It's always, it's always worth asking before we dive into it. Right. But so globaloutreach.org. So Global Outreach is an interdenominational missions agency, meaning if you are from any denomination and you feel called to be a missionary, we would love to work with you. If you feel called to go on a short-term team, meaning I want to go for seven to 10 days, we'd love to work with you. But we, as you said very well early in the conversation, Corey, we want to empower missionaries to live out the call that God's given them. So we don't tell our missionaries what to do. What we want to do is help them go prepared stay effective and and return with dignity. So if you capture what we do for missionaries, so imagine the orphan being cared for in Uganda through Global Outreach and Corey, I know you're a part of that ministry, the pastor being trained in Ecuador, the church being planted in Romania. We have 280 missionaries around the world working in 48 countries, all following God's call. So it's our job to support them, meaning you can be one of those people. So if you see here with Get Involved, you can click on that. And there's options for a career missionary. If you want to go on a mission trip, if you want to work here in the home office, we have some opportunities. If you have a finance background, we would love to hear from you. 
<laughs> that opportunity is there now. Um, internships for high school students, an opportunity to give. If you scroll down on globaloutreach.org, you can search a list of missionaries and get to know the projects and how God's using them all around the world. And so imagine this map behind me is there for a reason. God is working all around the world through those global outreach missionaries and accomplishing and growing fruit, bringing people to him. If you want to be a part of that, you can give to a specific missionary. If you want to make sure all 280 missionaries have what they need, especially in the midst of this pandemic, I tell you, COVID has brought tremendous challenges to leading an organization. Think about it, 48 countries, 48 different responses, 48 different sets of rules and trying to move those people around and train people. So um, specifically, I would ask um, giving to the home office. So the group here in Tupelo that runs that organization, you can say, you know what, I have 50, 100, $200, and I wanna make sure that in this critical time of a pandemic, that missionaries have the support they need because everything our missionaries fundraise all goes to the missionaries. Global outreach doesn't take any of it, which is crazy. Most organizations take 15%. So um, we raise funds. We depend on people like you to give to global outreach to make sure the missionaries can be taken care of. So, it, and then you have a, a video, you can see my, my family down at the bottom of the page there. So I was younger then in that video. <laughs> also, uh, you can contact me. I'm sure wherever Corey's posted this, he can put my contact information, john at globaloutreach.org. If you want to send me an email, I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you have about missions, how to partner, how to give. Awesome. Thanks, John. And I'll, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes where they can just click the link, go straight to Global Outreach and uh, put your email on there as well. And I just want to make uh, real clear, like we are part of that uh, Uganda there. We, we uh, support that uh, ministry there. But what is unique about what you guys do is missionary, everything given to the missionary goes straight to the missionary and the home office is responsible for uh, raising their own money, which is very unique, very unique. So. Yeah. So by giving the home office, you're making sure that dollar that was given to feed an orphan goes to the orphan. That's really important for us. We want to make sure that ministries happening around the world and they have the resources they need to take the gospel forward. So we appreciate you guys. And, and thanks for the opportunity just to share that a little bit. Yeah, well, John, we've really, really enjoyed it. And I, I think we would like to have you back on at some point and really dive yeah, into some of that uh, more leadership type stuff too. But uh, you've definitely added value today and we appreciate you. And uh, man, you guys, you guys have a great day and God bless. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the future episodes. And if you're interested in being a missionary or finding out more about what John and them are doing in Global Outreach, uh, just check out the show notes and we'll have that in there. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself, as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey, guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment. Please subscribe. Give us a rate and review on your listening platform. And, hey, we value your feedback, and it helps others Find us. Are you ready for this?